Hi, my name is Ali Reza Mujibian, and welcome to Noteworthy. Canadian pianist Michelle Lin is based out of the Netherlands, where she enjoys a varied career performing, teaching, and adjudicating. In addition to her already active schedule, Michelle is the co-founder of The Fearless Artist, a company dedicated to supporting musicians as they take their careers to the next level. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining me today. It is such a pleasure to be with you today, Alireza. So I wanted to start the conversation just because we're in a rather delicate situation in the world. Uh, We're in the midst of a second wave of COVID-19. And I wanted to start by asking how things are going in the Netherlands right now. So things here have been quite crazy. Um, So we actually went into partial lockdown in mid-October and they shut down all the restaurants and cafes and they restricted concerts and museums and things to 30 people max. And then actually two weeks ago, we went into a more severe lockdown where museums and concerts were all closed completely as well as the restaurants staying closed. And that was two weeks long. Everyone was said, you know, work at home as much as possible. The music school where I teach was also closed, so it was online. And then two weeks later, they lifted those restrictions. So I actually had a solo concert two days after the restrictions were lifted, which was such a crazy blessing to sneak it in there. 30 people maximum, socially distanced, of course. So it's kind of like, yeah, week by week here. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But it's an it's an interesting period to just be living. I can't. Oh, my gosh. Um, 2020, man. It has been a curveball. <laughs> it has been a year of blessings and curses and yeah. just being grateful for everything that's around you and the people who are around you. Right. And just that you really don't know what's coming next. Like no one knew this was coming. I mean, it's funny for me, like, you know, on social media, you'll, you get these highlight posts from a year ago, for example. And, you know, a year ago, I was happily playing concerts and just no idea what was coming up. You know, it's just crazy. I've been seeing more, uh, a lot of those posts actually right now from uh, a lot of friends because it's, you know, it's Messiah season. Right. So um, uh, everyone is posting pictures of of the last Messiah they did for a live audience and everything. And it's it's, it's really interesting. But speaking of social media, um, we met rather by chance on social media and I, I started my account. I followed the fearless artist and then you messaged me and then that's when our conversation got going. And over the last six months or so, I've gotten to see firsthand the kind of community of musicians you have built online. And it's super inspiring. Uh, to see like how far you've been able to reach. How did you come to creating that kind of platform online for yourself? Yeah, I mean, that is one of the blessings of COVID is that I've met a phenomenal amount of musicians on Instagram. And this is something that I learned a few years ago that you don't need to be in a big center to find your people anymore. You know, historically, people moved to New York or, you know, Nashville or Paris or, you know, just to find the musicians, find the artists, find your people that you want to be with. But now everyone is online. You can find them online and all you need is a hashtag. It's just insane, you know? So so The Fearless Artist was born uh, with my co-founder and best friend, business partner, Deanna Petre, who is a violist American living in Paris. Um, so we started in February, actually right before lockdown, we had launched our first two groups and uh, then COVID hit and we all went into this pandemic and it was like, it was insane. And everyone, you know, the mastermind, the setup is that you make a long-term goal for the next four months. So it was just like, it was really sad because, you know, one of the girls was taking auditions in Rotterdam and Brussels. And then it's like, well, everything got canceled, you know, and all these projects and ideas that we had had were suddenly completely thrown off. 
Um, but then I said to the group, you know, guys, if there's ever a time that you want to be in a focus group for your career, it's in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, for better or for worse, um, the the pandemic kind of ignites this kind of conversation as well. Uh, unless you're put into a really difficult situation, you're not always. It's not at the at the forefront of what you're thinking about on a daily basis on on how to create a um, a foundation that really works for you as an individual artist rather than the people who are around you. Yeah. The freelance artist kind of came out of this idea that we really need one another. We need community. You need to be around people. You know, the thing that comes back to me is you are the average of the five people closest to you. And so I really, I look for people that I want to model my life after. I, I look for influences. I look for people who have something that I want and I think, okay, how can I get close to them? You know, proximity is power. So um, when I want to advance in a certain area of my career, I look to someone who's thriving and I think, okay, what can I learn from them? And so, yeah, building this community and, and we just started putting out um, a lot of content um, specifically on Instagram and then just quickly resharing that to Facebook. And then it just kind of exploded. I mean, we, are, we have 500 followers and we only started it, like, as I said, in February and we only follow ourselves on Instagram. It's my little strategy to point us to like who the founders are. So it's really people who are there because they're they're interested in what we have to say and that we just want to really be an empowering community for people. And we really want to talk about the realities of being a classical musician in this day and age. We don't want to beat around the bush, you know, in our mastermind sessions, we really talk all the stuff. We talk the numbers, we talk finances, we talk about the difficulties of, you know, negotiating gigs or times that we've been burned or like things that go wrong and, you know, branding and all the, the kind of nitty gritty that kind of gets glossed over in music school um, so it's just like a place to really be real. It's like, can we actually talk about this? Cause like we didn't learn this in school. No, it, it's definitely something that you, um, I don't think, I mean, I, I, I was in school for seven years. Uh, I don't think we ever touched on anything uh, of that nature. And I think in schools, I don't know if they expect you to figure it out or if they just don't actually prepare you for the real world. I feel like, you know, school kind of sells you this lie that if you practice really hard and you do really well and you get good grades, then when you finish your degrees, there's magically going to be uh, emails waiting for you. The phone's going to ring for you and people are going to be asking you to play everywhere. It's like, well, that's just not how it works for 95% of us who don't win the major competitions. So, you know, it's, it's getting fewer and fewer. And to be honest, like even the top competition winners, you have to still develop and put yourself out there and find management and all this stuff. So it's there's a lot of entrepreneurial skills um, involved with being a musician now. And uh, because we don't have any business courses or basic business skills, or I mean, even, you know, for example, if you ask the average musician, um, you know, I have a concert for you, what's your fee? I think they'll give you the the deer in the headlights look because it's just like we're so not used to saying like this is what I charge this is how a contract works this is you know I mean you learn that after you've been burned a few times and then it's like oh I need to prepare better next time you know um, but if you are like for example you go to the dentist and it's like what do you charge for braces like these are our prices you know it's very straightforward it's cut clear and cut so I don't know why it's so hard for us musicians to embrace that and I think it has to do with, you know, we don't want to make our art a business. We think it's like degrading to the art or something. Um, but then it perpetuates this starving artist mentality. And it, honestly, if there's one thing that I want to change in the world, it's I want to eliminate the starving artist mentality concept idea. Like you do not have to be poor if you want to have, be an artist. That's really what I'm working for. So a somewhat loaded question. So please feel free to reply at your own comfort level. But what's behind your passion and drive? When I came out of school, I also felt very, 
I mean, I would say the word lost or overwhelmed at how to find my way. So I had a lot of drive, but it was also lacking direction or clarity. So I, I kind of went through the, the hard years, I would say. So, so then practicing for me was kind of up and down. And especially because I didn't have a clear structure of what I was going after. And I felt very isolated. So all that to say, I was considering giving everything up, just being like, you know what, I've had a good run, let's find something else to do. But I would physically feel ill if I wouldn't practice. And to be honest, that was the reason that I kept going. I just felt sick. I was like, I'm not playing. And I feel like I can't, I can't not play, you know? So I don't know if I say drive, there's just kind of this internal thing in me that I have to be at the piano and, and there's an energy, there's a, and I love chamber music. I love working with other, you know, specifically string players. I'm, I'm a big fan and just the energy, the, the shared contribution that you create something together is very important for me. And yeah, I love people. So when I, when I talk about drive, it's kind of like multifaceted. I, I love learning inspiration, like books or, you know, motivation stuff and, and finding new ideas and sharing that with people. And it's like, yes, like, let's make, let's make something happen. Let's make something beautiful here. And um, yeah, I love giving other people opportunities. I'm the artistic director of a concert series over here called Opus 16 Concerts. Um, which is named after Rachmaninoff's musical moments. For me, it's like, you know, I can invite other artists and offer them two concerts in a weekend, provide them opportunities. I view myself really as like someone who can bring people along with me and kind of this com community thing is very important to me. So when I say what drives me, it's like, oh, the desire to play, like I have to play. The music itself, it's so beautiful. And, and I've had such amazing people come to concerts and tell me what it means to them to be there, to experience that together, you know? And then there's the people aspect and then there's the, the, the ideas and what I'm learning and all the entrepreneurial stuff. So I think all of this together is what's kind of created this package thing for me that I'm going after. From your experiences so far, what do you think it means to be a musician in the 21st century, or at least what it means to be a musician in the first quarter of the 21st century? Yeah, I mean, I think it's creating your own career is really where we're at with being a musician these days. I have uh, someone I went to school with, Charles Richard Hemlin, and he won the Chopin competition. And that has like completely skyrocketed his career, right? But he's one out of, I don't know how many hundreds of musicians that I know, excellent musicians that I know. And he's, he's absolutely phenomenal, but it's just that like for the majority of us, this is not the reality. And so does that discount the rest of us who have worked ages and hours to play our instruments and, and have something to say and have something to give to the world in terms of art and beauty? No, I think not. However, because no one has taught you like, okay, you need to figure this out and make this happen yourself, but there is a way to do it. And with these basic skills, we can, you know, maybe get you a decent income <laughs> and you can justifiably have this career. Um, a lot of people get demotivated and give up. And I think there's two major categories of things that we're dealing with. So, you know, we're dealing with the business side of things, things like, you know, branding, social media, uh, websites, contracts, negotiating, finding new gigs, pitching yourself, promotion, all that stuff. Then on the other side of it, we're dealing with the emotional side. So we're talking about like fear, fear, failure, rejection, um, self-sabotage, all this emotional stuff that we go through by being vulnerable on stage in front of people, risking rejection, risking criticism, you know, if you have a bad review in the paper. So these two things are massive and you could spend, you know, years studying how to better yourself in these areas. Um and I think either one of them could crush you enough that you would not pursue a career in this anymore. So when I, when I think, what does it take to be a musician? I think 
there has to be enough work on both sides of those two things I mentioned to help prepare us for the real world. I wanted to touch on a um, a hashtag project you did on Instagram uh, recently, the hashtag killing perfectionism in classical music. How did that go? Oh my gosh, this is crazy. I know, I know it was amazing. I, I saw, I saw all your posts and everything, but how, how was that experience? It blew my mind. The number of people who were just messaging you with videos and, oh my gosh. and uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the response was insane. So this is only three, three, four weeks old max. I was sitting at my piano practicing one night and I'm in the habit of posting one minute videos of me practicing or, or performing in my home on Instagram. I don't have a problem with this anymore. It's something that I had to overcome, but I'm there now. And I was sitting there making a little video just, you know, one evening and all of a sudden I just thought, I know so many of my fellow musicians who are excellent, excellent players, you know, <laughs> and they will not post on Instagram. And I thought, this is insane. Like, why? It's like, you know, we're afraid of uh, judgment, afraid of rejection. We've had teachers tell us, be very careful whatever you put online because it'll like label you forever, you know, which I think is a little bit ridiculous. Like we're talking about Instagram here, right? So I, I was thinking, this is crazy that people are too afraid to put themselves out there. And then all of a sudden, just like in a second, I had this download was like, okay, run a challenge, call it Killing Perfectionism in Classical, make it 10 days long do it yourself, tell everybody what you're doing and announce it. I was like, okay, done. So I phoned Deanna, you know, my best friend. And I'm just freaked out. I was like, I had this amazing idea and it's going to be awesome. The very next day I get on my Instagram stories. I told people what I was going to do. It was a Tuesday. So I'm like, we're starting Friday guys. And at the end of the 10 day challenge, we had over 75 people who joined. And now there are 600 plus posts on the hashtag in just four weeks. It's insane to me, the people that it reached and how many people joined this. So I'll just quickly explain the concept. It was uh, 10 days long. And I said, okay, guys, we're getting over this fear of uh, perfectionism, which for me is that because you miss one, you know, one note or a bow stroke, or it's out of tune, you won't post it. I mean, I've heard stories of people tell me I've taken 34 takes for this one little minute of video. And then I watch it back and I judge every second and I won't post it. I'm like, this is crazy because the more content you put out, the more you're building your brand, the more people you're going to reach. Plus most people aren't going to hear the things that you're hearing. Plus most people aren't listening to the whole thing anyway, because they're scrolling Instagram and they're thinking more about themselves than they're thinking about you. So can we just get over this whole like high stakes, so much pressure to play perfectly on Instagram, you know, like, come on, save that for your concert hall. But the idea was five takes max, one minute of whatever you want to play 10 days in a row. And it's just like, you know, you hit that bump over and over and over every single day for 10 days. And pretty much pretty soon that hump becomes smooth. Get over the speed bump. You just have to overcome resistance. And Stephen Pressfield talks about this in his fantastic book, The War of Art, and talks about this feeling of resistance and how it will stop us from becoming everything that we're supposed to be because of these voices that talk to us and tell us that we're not good enough to put our content out there. Full disclosure, and you know this because I miserably failed at it, uh, but uh, <laughs> um, I messaged you being like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then I, I did like, I probably took about 50 takes on a, on something. Uh, so the next time you do this challenge, I mean, you don't even have to do the challenge. I'm, I'm going to do this. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I will, I will run it again properly because it's just so necessary. There's so many of us that are in this boat. So like, you know, doing it together. That's the other thing, the power of community. It's like, we are all being vulnerable at the same time. You are in a safe 
safe atmosphere. If people are going to come and encourage you, no one is judging you. No one's going to come comment on your wrong notes, you know. And actually, the funniest thing happened with me the one of one of the days, day four, day five. I was trying to get this cadenza in the lark uh, recorded. It was uh, Balaki Rev's uh, piece, and <laughs> I was on my fifth and last take, and I totally biffed it like bad. <laughs> and I just thought, well, I can't do another take because I'm the challenge starter. Like I can't cheat my own challenge. So I actually posted it with just me completely missing this run. And then I burst out laughing and it actually was the highest views of the whole 10 days because I think people are like, Oh wow. Like it's okay to fall on your face. And you know what? Like none of my upcoming concerts were canceled because someone saw me screw up a scale on my Instagram account, you know, <laughs> like, and I mean, the, the, that's just it. I mean, I, I'm in a sense talking to myself here as well, but there's no, there's no harm in falling because all it lets you do is get back up again. Right. And, and to stop yourself from falling is to be afraid of what's to come next and I, why do you think it's ingrained in us, especially as musicians? Why do, why do you think that's so ingrained in us? <sighs> well, I mean, if I look at how we're trained and from the very beginning, you know, it's counting mistakes. You hear crazy stories of, you know, security cameras being on young children to make sure they practice their six hours a day. And, you know, the, the how many mistakes have you made in this piece? And, you know, things like teachers telling the kid, well, that wasn't that wasn't perfect. So we need to do it again. And this idea of Perfect. And perfect means playing all the notes correctly at the right time. But there's nothing to be said about does perfect include like having a meaningful interpretation? Does perfect include like creating something that said something from your heart, which is actually what art is? Like what, you know, is, is perfect just being a typewriter? Because then you can just get a machine to play that for you, right? So I think it's coming from our training and, and how we're brought up doing it. And then I don't know, it kind of perpetuates from there that like mistakes aren't allowed. Like you're supposed to play perfectly like a recording, except then you have amazing pianists like Richter, who was sloppy sometimes, but just so passionate and powerful in his interpretations that he was widely loved and, and revered for this. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting to me. I've I've become more aware of my language when I'm teaching to not tell the student that was perfect. Now we can go on. Um, simple things like language, I think are really important, but yeah, just the mistakes thing. It's big. No, I, I feel that I've definitely had lessons or, or, or coachings where I've spent a solid 20 minutes on just how I approach my breath uh-huh, uh-huh. and to the point where now when I'm practicing, sometimes I, if I get into my head a little bit too much, I realize that the whole half hour that I've spent practicing is I haven't even actually sung anything. Right. I've, every time, every time I've come to actually exhale a note it is it has stopped because i'm in my head analyzing every quarter breath i'm taking in i mean all to all that to say it's not that what the teacher is saying is incorrect like absolutely it needs to be that certain way and they're aiming for this beautiful sound or tone or whatever it's not that that but the problem is as you just said we get into over analyzing so that kind of paralyzes us from even attempting because it's wrong before we even try and i think that's where perfectionism really gets to the core of us because it's like i don't even know how to attempt this without judging myself so hard exactly you you need to um at some point you need to step back and appreciate the fact that nothing on this planet is perfect not having the ability or not not willing to accept making a mistake for the sake of 
creating the music in the moment and letting it live as is. No two performances are the same. So why would you try to make it the same? Yeah, absolutely. And I would even say that, you know, I think all of us are shooting for a very high, excellent level of performance. Like we all want to do really well. We're not saying that it's okay to play haphazardly or anything like that, but it's just... To, to get but to get to that point you need to have a lot of bad takes right so the problem and especially this instagram challenge is that we don't allow ourselves to have the bad takes because we put so much pressure on it from the beginning that it has to be perfect it has to be a certain way but you don't allow yourself the process and i keep coming back to this imagery of um you know someone who's crafting with wood so he takes his block of wood and he starts to carve and he's you know all the wood curls are coming off and it's a process of unveiling whatever sculpture he's making with it. And you see the process and you're like, Oh wow, that's so interesting and beautiful. We do not allow the same process when we're learning a piece on the piano. We don't let ourselves have the uncarved piece of wood and watch it transform into something. We're just like, no, no, no. From the beginning, it has to be the end result. And so then you don't allow the craft to come in. And that's where I think a lot of us get stuck. Um, And that's why the whole killing perfectionism challenge was to say, no, there is a process to our craft. We need to have a lot of bad takes before we're going to have a good take. You know, like Seth Godin says, if you want to have a good idea, you need to have a lot of bad ideas and you need to let the bad ideas come out or else you're not going to get to the good idea. So it's just about allowing us to be in process and celebrating the process. I wanted to ask if you're comfortable in sharing what the quarantine has meant for you. I mean, 2020 has been the best and the worst year of my life. There have been so many amazing things that have come out of it. It's been an interesting season for me to learn to really practice gratitude and to really focus on the good, focus on the things that bring joy, focus on what is working and celebrate opportunities that have come as a result of COVID. You know, I get on my, my Instagram stories and I kind of preach my heart out. Like if I have a message, you know, you're, everyone's going to hear it. And, and one of the things is when we have limitations, it provides the opportunity for uh, new things that we didn't even realize were staring us in the face. So, you know, COVID comes in and we start talking about everything we can't do. And that's true. And we are not at all saying that some of the stuff that happened is really crappy. Like a lot of great performances were canceled. A lot of opportunities were lost and it's terrible. It's nothing to scoff at, but at the same time, limitation forces direction. So it's like all of a sudden, all these doors are closed, but new doors have opened. So what are you going to do about it? You have these opportunities. And one thing that I started doing was these online concerts. Now, this is something that I could have easily done three, four years ago, but because I wasn't thinking in the modus of online only, I didn't realize that I could suddenly promote myself worldwide to offer these one-on-one concerts for people. So I created a small menu and allowed people to choose a program of 15 or 30 minutes. And I just promoted a little bit of my social medias. And I've done over 30, 35 concerts now where I have one family and we share the music. We talk about it. They tell me what it means to them. They tell me why they picked the pieces they did. I play for them and then we get to have a conversation. And, you know, opportunities like this have come in COVID. I've also spent a lot more time outside, walking the dog, slowing down. I remember like March and April, it was like my schedule just kind of cleared out. It was like, wow, like I have time to breathe, you know, (laughs) Um, time to think, time to really yeah, reflect or just to absorb differently. And so I don't know, it's, it's just been this whole journey of like, yeah, choosing what you're going to focus on, choosing how you're going to show up every day. And if you're going to allow, um, you know, your mindset, you always have control over your mind. 
So you really have to choose what you allow to come in or not. And to say, uh, what are you going to focus on today? And what can I do in the face of a lot of adversity? I just want to share one more story. Um, my grandmother, she turned uh, 85. Now she has dementia and she can't say my name anymore or anything. Um, and she's in a care home. Well, because of COVID, they're not allowing in-person visitation. So they decided to set up these FaceTime visits. I'm over on the other side of the world in Europe. I can't see her anymore. Now, all of a sudden, people who are there can't go see her anymore. So everything's online. Well, I'm doing these online concerts. It's her 85th birthday. So we get on a FaceTime call. My parents are there. Her son and wife are there. My sister's there. I'm there. I start to perform for her. And she reaches out and strokes the iPad because she knows it's me. And so we have this incredible family moment for her 85th birthday. And I thought... I could have easily done this three years ago, four years ago, but because I didn't think <laughs> it was so interesting. I'm like, COVID has provided this opportunity that I didn't even realize was there the whole time. Something that I hope comes out uh, as a learned experience from COVID-19 is, as you said, that we are a lot closer than we think that sometimes if you do take a break and just focus on yourself uh, not not in the ways that society asks you to focus on yourself, but to truly take a second, pour yourself a cup of tea, and uh, appreciate everything that you've been able to do up until that moment. You realize that you have so many more avenues that you've never even touched because you've been too preoccupied with what is most immediately in front of you. Yeah. And I think a cre creativity comes from rest. So I love that you're bringing this up, but, you know, pouring a cup of tea and sitting and reflecting. I mean, you will have more ideas. You'll have better ideas. You'll have a better plan for focusing. If you just take that break. And I remember you're, you're reminding me during that March, April segment of the lockdown, I remember telling people, I never want to go back to how busy I was before. So, I mean, it, it provided this opportunity of reflection, as you said, like, is this the life that I want to be living? Am I doing what I want to be doing? Like you only get one chance at life. So it's like, if you're, if there's something in your life that you don't want, now is the time to try and figure out, can I replace this with something better, something that will bring me more purpose or more joy? Is there something I can eliminate that would give me more rest? Is there a better way? I think that this lockdown has provided us this opportunity to kind of reflect what are your hopes for the future of the artistic community we live in? Oh my gosh. I want musicians to stop beating themselves up so much. I see so many people who are incredibly hard on themselves. And I just, I had this thought the other day and like, guys, this has to stop. You know, that you go on stage, you pour yourself out, you give everything you have, you've prepared well, you have years of training and experience. And then you come off stage and the first thing you say is, everything negative that you can think about, about what you just did, you know? And I was thinking, you know, someone in the medical field, for example, they come out of a surgery and the first thing they start saying is like how they screwed up the surgery, right? Like you just, other professions don't do this to themselves. And I think, is there a way for musicians to come off stage and be like, guys, I crushed it. And I'm so proud of myself. Like, is that allowed? <laughs> you know, can we start to celebrate each other and this, you know, contribution we're making and music it is the beauty of what we are bringing to the world, because there is so much that is hard about life. And so if we can be the people who give people an experience and inspiration, something to fix their minds on that is positive, that is beautiful, to embrace the beauty of the world, then what we're doing is so important. And 
I don't like seeing all of this really harsh judgment and criticism. So yeah, what do I want to change? I want musicians to be empowered, to love themselves, to love what they're giving, to understand their worth, to understand that what they're contributing is massively important. You know, I think it's Winston Churchill who said, you know, what are we fighting for if it's not for the ability to have the arts and the music and the the beauty of life? Like this is why we we're going to war to have the ability to have these moments of, of expression. So that's really what I'd like to see change. Michelle, before we close off our conversation, uh, I wanted to ask if there are any exciting things happening with uh, the fearless artists that you'd like to share with the audience and how maybe they can, if they'd like to get involved. Yes, um, absolutely. So we have a guest workshop coming up December 7th um, with Bernhard Kurz, who is actually the founder of Be Your Own Manager. Um, we have the huge honor of having him come on and do a workshop for us. December 7th, it's going to be <laughs> online. I don't know why I say that. Like, obviously, it's online. Um, but anyway, you can get tickets on our website, thefearlessartistmastermind.com. And this is part of our mastermind program, which is uh, 12 weeks and our current group um, has him as their guest speaker. So we always include a guest speaker in each round of Mastermind. And Mastermind is launching again in January. So it is a 12-week program. It is for professional classical musicians who are looking for community, accountability, um, structure for the next three months. We pick a long-term goal and we really help you execute. Again, this word execution comes back. And uh, we'll be taking applications throughout January and starting right away. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me. It's been such an enlightening conversation. Uh, I love the fact that we met on Instagram and I love the fact that that uh, relationship is now expanded to a new level. I really, really appreciate uh, your time and and what you're doing. And I, I, I resonate with everything that you've said. Uh, and it's it's great to see that the pandemic is pushing a lot of our community forward um, in a lot of really impactful ways, whether it's the empowerment of, uh, of minority groups uh, or creating a safer space for just performance. I just love that this is all happening in my lifetime and that we're, we're in a part of it. And that that's just incredible. So thank you so much. It's been a total pleasure. I feel like we could continue talking for hours and I completely agree. I have seen so many inspiring people who are choosing to be solutions finders rather than complainers in this and being the people who say, okay, this is the way forward. Let's try this. None of us know what we're doing. So let's just try it and see if it works and we'll go from there. And I'm so fortunate to have found you and I really appreciate the work you're doing with Noteworthy. You can find Michelle on Instagram at the fearless artist mastermind or on her personal page at Michelle Lynn pianist. Additionally, you should totally check out the fearlessartistmastermind.com for more information about their organization and what they're doing for artists all around the world. Thank you as always to Duncan Watts Grant for editing and producing this show with me. If you are one of our new listeners, remember to subscribe, like, and leave us a comment on Apple Podcast. As always, make sure to support your local arts and cultural institutions. Thank you for listening.